Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, is, it, is it a commercial? You. Do you like chips? Like, do you really like chips? Where to the point where you're eating chips so much that you look around and there's crumbs and you're like, who put those crumbs there? Did I put those crumbs there? And I'm, and I'm here to tell you, yes, yes, you did, because you like chips. And if you like Cheetos, especially Flamin' Hot Cheetos, then you should tell people to subscribe to this channel, the Bitcoin podcast, because one out of a thousand, that's right. When we get a thousand subscribers, one of them is going to get a hundred bags of Cheetos, flaming hot Cheetos, baby. Think to yourself, how, how many Cheetos is that? And I'm here to tell you, it's like a million calories. If you ate it all, you would most definitely not be healthy, but we're going to send them to you because Flamin' Hot Cheetos are amazing. So that's right. Share this around. Get us to 1,000 subscribers. We'd like to have 1,000 subscribers because if we had 1,000 subscribers, that means one of those 1,000 subscribers is getting 100 bags of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. So, you know, do your thing, guys. Do that YouTube stuff. Hey, it's me again. Does your job still suck? Are you still mad at your job and therefore life sucking, then you should join the Bitcoin podcast Slack where the people there don't suck, or at least their jobs don't. So in essence, their lives don't either. Join the Slack. Everybody, welcome back to another podcast, an interview with Unlock Protocol. Today we have Julian from Unlock. Uh, you've been on before, but for those who don't know who you are, why don't you give everybody a quick introduction? course. Uh, hey, thanks for having me again. Uh, so my name is Julian. Uh, I'm a French software engineer. Uh, it's been doing a lot of open web stuff over the last almost 20 years at this point. So I'm, I'm old. Uh, I discovered crypto uh, first time in 2011. Bitcoin. Um, an employee of mine said, I want to be paid with Bitcoin. Like, what, what, do you, what do you mean? I want to be paid with Bitcoin. I uh, kind of let it go for a little while. Then we discovered it in 2016-17. And I've been completely I mean, in it since then, uh, building Unlock. Yeah. So, what like what is unlock? Like, what what problem are you solving by having unlock? And this actually came you came back to us via me asking a question on Twitter regarding something that I'm interested in, and you're yeah. like, "Hey, we do this." And I was like, "Oh, well, you know, like we should interview them." You're like, well, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in the crypto space. Uh, mm -hmm. Unlock is a protocol for memberships, uh, and 
we represent these memberships as non-fungible tokens. So maybe explain what a membership is. It's the idea that any creator, any brand, any community at some point can have uh, a membership, like a, a system to identify who is a member or not a member of said community, said you know brand or um, or, or creators um, and group. Um, and so Unlock provides an easy way for creators, again, all of these people, to deploy a smart contract in the Ethereum chain that actually specifies how much people are going to pay to become members, for how long they're going to be members, and how many people can be members. And once this contract is deployed, basically anyone can join, or uh, as long as they pay the membership by sending money to the contract, and what they get in return is a non-fungible token that has an expiration date. Totally straightforward. Sure. And I've, I've, it's it's something that I think is is the one of the better use cases of nfts for that matter that yep. no one seems to be talking about because I'm, I'm i'm fascinated with this concept of access control yes uh and using a blockchain for that and and when you have value baked into the system that makes it much you know easier so but like more often than not what you see with nfts is here's a picture you own it now I'm, I mean, I'm with you. Flip it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, for me, that's, you know, I'm not going to blame or, you know, I, I think that's exactly what it is right now. It's like, oh, cool. I've got an image. Nice. What can I do with it? Not much. The next, obviously, logical step is to make that image or that NFT more than image useful in itself. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly what I'm thinking Unlock uh, is providing. And to be clear, you can actually have a fancy image on your membership. That, does, that doesn't, uh, it's not an old thing. It's oh, an no, it's one of those situations where like, okay, now what do I do with it? Well, you, like, now that you have ownership of something and you can prove it, yep. then let's use that ownership for something else. And, yep. and what better way to do like... And what's interesting about that is all these projects are... Communities in themselves. Yes. Um, they 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 build a Discord. They talk about it. They even build bots that then do access control inside Discord based on the assets they have. Like, why not just do it more natively? And they, to like to be perfectly clear, Status is is working on this as well through communities. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just a, basically a way for anyone to say like, hey, we ha like here's a way to do access control or permission control based on the assets you have in your wallet. Absolutely. And what, what I like about it especially is the fact that it, it's decoupled from a single platform. Like if I become a member of the Bitcoin podcast in some, inside of some app or some Discord channel, I'm actually a member of the Bitcoin podcast beyond that. So I don't know, at some point you might have a sponsor that's a big exchange and say, hey, anyone who shows up on our exchange, if they're a member of the Bitcoin podcast because they have a, an NFT from the Bitcoin podcast in their wallet, they're going to get a discount. They're going to get, you know, a free hat, or whatever. Like, and it's the idea that the membership itself lives outside of any special platform or, or application or website. Then you just use applications to then, I guess, extend or facilitate that membership. Exactly. You can add more and more benefits as you grow. Or you can actually move away from a platform to another one without losing the benefits of the users being on that platform. Yeah. Because like every time you use, like say for instance, Discord, right? Like you need to be, like, say you don't maybe you don't like Discord. So what else are you going to use? How are you going to then manage like ephemeral communication and coordination around whatever you're talking about? You have to pick something. You have to use it. You then have to find a way to tie in proof of that membership and access control. So like, what are you seeing people do? Because like that's my question, right? Okay, cool. I, I've made an unlock. I've, okay. I've deployed the smart contract. Yep. And people have access to it, and now I have like on-chain verifiable members of this thing that I made. Yeah. Um, how are people then 
using that? Like how are they, how are they using other platforms to verify that membership? Uh, there's a lot of different ways. Uh, so basically there's people that are doing this, as you said, like bots for discord, for telegram and a bunch of other things. So that's one way people are leveraging this on websites. You can have a website where if you are a member, you can do certain things. There's just been a, a little flip. I, I, I think this is video recorded, yep. but I want to show you guys. So on my blog, very normal blog, there is a membership and you can't read the articles unless you pay me $5 a year. I say, next time we see each other, I'll pay coffee if you, become, if you do this. But what I've done beyond that is like integrated my blog's members into my webcam. And you see at the bottom here, the little icons everywhere. Yeah. These are actually all of my blog's members. I don't have that many, but it's actually pretty cool to be able to say, hey, my, again, my group of fans, the people that have paid to read my blog, they're all here. I mean, they're not quite here, but their images are here. Uh, and so they can, they can easily kind of, uh, I mean, they can't do anything, but I can recognize them as, again, my, my, my fan base and, and my friends. Next step, I'm actually creating a Telegram room right now, adding a bot that says only the people that are members of my blog can join my Telegram group. Uh, I hope at some point I have, I don't know if that makes sense, but a Shopify store and uh, I sell some stuff and only my members can get free shipping or only my members can access, you know, this secret catalog uh, where there's kind of, I don't know, a secret hat that only my members can have. Um, and really, I'm, I'm kind of nobody, but like think of this in the context of brands, uh, large creators, uh, athletes, uh, having all of these memberships and ways to kind of identify their members across the web and beyond. Because in practice, these NFT are in your wallet, which means that you can use them into your, I mean, on your phone, if you have a wallet, you can show somebody the NFT on your phone and prove that you own it, which means that you can access a secret venue or even a non so secret venue, but then you are backstage at a concert or something like this. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I belong here or like I'm a part of this group and you've offered special things to this group. And then from that, like just from that general concept, do whatever, right? Like that's, that's that opens up an incredible swath of things you could do. Absolutely, and you can do things like we're actually chatting with a bunch of NFT artists. Uh, we're thinking like, hey, okay, my membership is going to look nice, but I want to do a thing where only my members for a week can basically be the first mentors of my new NFT project. And so it's like a way to kind of do patronage where you support the NFT creator on a yearly basis and a monthly basis depending on what they do. But as a member, you get early access to some features, which I think is cool. Uh, we're chatting with some crypto wallets that are thinking, hey, what are the ways that we can allow people to send transactions when gas is low? I'll tell them, what, what if you had a membership when every time uh, somebody purchases a membership, when they send transaction, you check whether that address that they send the transaction from has a membership. And if they have one, you either allow them to pay a little bit less gas or you allow them to kind of keep the transaction a bit longer in the mempool. So if price goes down, then you're going to submit the transaction at that time. Uh, so. The range of possibilities is literally endless in my mind. Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I'm waiting for Jesse to say something. So I have thirty thousand so, questions. Yeah, I mean, so what? What's to prevent? Like, uh, I guess every interaction usually costs some sort of gas, right? With like the membership stuff. No, the only no. thing that costs gas is purchasing the membership. Obviously, okay. uh, after this, you can just sign a message, and whoever is on the other side can check that the signer owns on-chain a valid membership and that's free that's just oh, reading data okay. right there's no okay. writing thing okay there's also that so like yeah that's so what basically like on your side as a as a as a I guess content creator or administrator of a community all you need to know is you, you can do lookups of what addresses are, are on in, in your membership and then all someone has to do is basically prove that they own that address through signing a message absolutely uh, but like there is a floor to this, depending upon what chain you use, and that's going to be yes. um, deployment of the contract. And 
um, the cost of purchasing the NFT and the membership, of yeah. listing it somewhere. I guess the point of the contract is effectively listing it. Yep. Um, and then if you add subscription fees, paying those as well. So like in your experience, what's been, what, what is that floor? Yeah. So we are on the Ethereum mainnet, which means that it's outrageously expensive these days for sure. We're also on XDAI, on Polygon, we'll soon be on Optimism, Arbitrum, Avalanche, like all of the EVM compatible kind of sidechains, chains, LGs, whatever you call that, uh, with the idea that we don't pick, you know, the L1 that creators want to use. If you create a very valuable membership, like think you're, again, building this use case for wallets, and if people are going to pay $100 a year, it's maybe fine to be on mainnet. If you're creating a cheap membership and say, hey, it's going to be 50 cents a month, uh, then you probably don't want to be on mainnet and you can go on some other chain, which is less secure, but at the same time, much cheaper to use. Uh, we really try to make the protocol, I mean, it's a protocol, right? But uh, work in the same consistent way. And actually that's the case wherever the chain is deployed. And we provide a bunch of front ends that actually abstract a bunch of that complexity as well. I, I, uh, the tweet that I mentioned that kind of re, re, rekindled our, our conversation yeah. was I'm curious in a way of having perpetual royalties through the NFTs, like community NFTs, right? So like, um, I'm thinking of like a way to bootstrap a given subscription to some service. We'll, we'll call it a newsletter, right? Yeah. I'm making a newsletter and I want to have a limited amount of people who can access it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would make what we would consider an, un- an unlock here. Yeah. Uh, and then set the subscription fee. Yeah. What I would like is for like, basically my goal is to say like, as this service becomes more valuable, hopefully if I do a good job, um, then the, value of accessing it grows larger, meaning yep. that the underlying NFTs that give ac- get access to it uh, are more valuable. Uh, and so like you can bootstrap a service by charging a specific fee, which gives you kind of your, your baseline revenue for starting off a thing. And you grow the value of the community by uh, basically whatever the market price for that, for that limited NFT set is for access to that thing. Yep. But as a content creator, I would like to gain t- maintain like almost like royalty fees for the trades of that NFT as the value grew. How could you? Is that something you can currently do on Unlock, or, or you yeah. basically incorporate new uh, EIPs to kind of have this extended royalty situation? So that's some, the, the special thing about the royalty. That's something that you can do for for Unlock right away. Um, let me explain how that works. Basically, um, when you create your membership on Unlock as a creator, you set the duration of each membership. So you say, hey, it's going to be a month, a year, whatever you decide, for a certain price, 10 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever you decide. Then uh, what people can do is transfer these memberships around. So maybe I'm a member of your stuff for a week, and after a week, it's like, hey, I don't care that much. I'm going to transfer it to Jesse. When I do so, what I actually transfer is not quite the NFT itself, but the time off of the NFT. Basically, so I, I will have the NFT, but all of a sudden now it's marked as expired because I've sent all of my time to Jesse. And now Jesse has a membership of his own to your content that is basically for the duration that I've transferred to his way. Does that make sense so far? So you're transferring the time. Yes, you're transferring the time basically. You say, hey, I've got a month long access to this. I'm transferring my month to Jesse. What I can do also is actually not transfer the full month. I can transfer in 15 days. And so I keep 15 days, he has 15 days. But that would be kind of a way to say, hey, I'm going to just give you access for a little while to my stuff. I mean, to, to your stuff, to my membership. Mm-hmm. But what's unique about this is that you, Corey, as the owner of the 
contract, you can say every time somebody transfers time, we burn some of that time. So basically, let's say I have 30 days and I want to transfer to Jesse my 30 days. You can say every time you transfer any time, 10 person is burnt. So I would have 30. If I transfer to Jesse, I have zero. But Jesse only receives 27 because you've burnt three days out of the total. Mm -hmm. This way, that means that if Jesse likes the content, he will renew earlier than what I would have had because I would have renewed after 30 days and he would only renew after 27 days. If Jesse transfers to somebody else, that somebody else is going to get like 25.2 days. Yeah, so like if the people continue, if, you're, if your That's membership grows, yes, then people have to re-up. Exactly. Earlier. With more time because they're burning time. Exactly. So it's like a it's like an implicit way of doing royalties. Exactly. Because the problem with the royalties thing is like obviously when you look at like the technical level, like the transfer function of the NFT doesn't have anything about price, about royalties, or any of these things. And so like if, if, if the, the platforms that do that, like super rare, it, you have to, you're 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 kind of vendor locked into their platform. Absolutely, exactly. You have to kind of delegate or kind of trust that this platform is going to do that job. And I mean. I, they do, right? But I also want the freedom of being able to say, hey, I'm going to use another platform. And also, I want to avoid the situation where two people kind of go without the platform by transferring to one another and in that scenario, not paying any of the fees uh, to, to you. Make sense? Oh, yeah. That's an interesting way of doing it. I, haven't, I, didn't, I didn't consider that in terms of like transferring the time and burning it as a way to do, as, as a way to like... Capture the value. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the end, the value of the membership is the time, right? Like, I, it, it's it's worthless if I actually don't have any way to use that membership because it's expired. And then, the, as the administrator, you control you you control that that percentage. And you can, can you can, if I were to want to change it, could I? Is it an yeah. update to the contract? Or yeah. is it deployment of a whole new contract. No, it's an update to the contract, and you can change. Like you say, hey, I'm going to capture 100. percent So this way, no transfer can never happen because why would I transfer to anyone? They're actually not going to get anything. Yeah. Uh, you can set it to zero. You can change that as you go uh, to be whatever you want. So you, you've, you've the parameter, the, like the parameterization of the contract gives the like the content creator quite a bit of uh, leeway, like yeah. like leeway or options on how they want to manage their community. Exactly. We have a similar thing around cancellation, right? Like normally when you have a Netflix subscription, if you want to cancel, you basically usually pay until the end of the month or I don't know what that is, but um, we've unlocked you and cancel your membership. And that means in practice, I will burn the time off and maybe get a refund. So depending on the, the contract set, what the creator says, you can get a refund or you cannot get a refund. And the creator might say, you know what, there's actually a free trial period. So basically on the 30 days thing, if you burn within the first 10 persons, so for the first three days, you get your back your, your full price that you paid for the month. But after this, it's kind of prorated based on time. And maybe there's actually a penalty where you say, no matter what, 10% of the, the, the value is going to be done. So basically you get a refund that is the total price prorated minus 10%. And that's what the user gets. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And as a creator, you can customize these however you want. Julian, uh, I got a question. I'm not a developer, so like to me, like there only exists like tokens and yeah. like NFTs as you know whatever the smart contract oh. is showing them as whatever that hash leads to, like an image or whatever. Yeah. So when you're saying that, you can kind of like uh, kind of change like this this time parameter. What what tracks that? Like how is how does that look like in code? It's it's actually so the smart contract itself yeah. uh, keeps so one thing about a normal NFT. It's actually two things. It's an ID, so NFT 1, 2, 3, 4, 17, whatever, and the address of the owner. Inside of Unlock, we kept track of a third parameter, which is the expiration date. That's it. So an NFT with Unlock is the two first thing that you have on any NFT plus mm -hmm. an expiration date. And then all of the function that I just mentioned tweak 
the expiration date, change the value of the expiration date based on what's happening in the contract. And then the managing contracts, like the token factory, right? The thing that like mints these tokens whenever. So like as as a content creator, I'm not deploying a smart contract that is tokens. I'm deploying a factory that mints tokens. Yes, exactly. You're deploying a lock, as we call it. It's called yeah. a public lock. And the public lock is the thing that mints the NFTs uh, on demand, like a pass machine when people pay for it. <laughs> So like when as as a content creator, I have control over how these things get minted when someone buys a a subscription. Yes. So what the what that what the parameters of that NFT look like by default? Uh by default we have no trial period, no penalty on cancellation. So it's a it's a normal slope probated. Uh we have no fees on transfers by default because it felt it's the easiest thing. Uh, so that's kind of the default. Again, changeable at any point by the creator of the lock. Like I don't have any control over this, or nobody has outside of the creator. Uh, the rest of the defaults. Uh, I mean, actually, we don't have default for duration because each creator sets a different thing. So on the front end, we offer a number of days, but you can actually set it to be seconds or years or centuries if you wanted to. Uh, we don't have a default on number of members. You can pick unlimited or ten or five, uh, and we don't have default on price. And when I say price, it's not just the the number price. It's the price plus the currency. So on, on Ethereum, you can use any ERC20. You can say, hey, I'm going to charge five DAI, stable coin, that makes sense. Or I'm going to charge five of my social money. And so now people have to buy my social money to actually buy my membership, which might be a lot of work, but that's doable. Interesting. Yeah. So how does how do you set people up with like the protocol? Like, is it you just give them the smart contract to deploy themselves? We, no, I mean, no. we have a front end, but people can yeah. do that. Like, to be clear, it's, it's, it's the, the lowest level way of doing this. We basically would describe, like, here's a smart contract. Go ahead and have fun. Play with it. We yeah. provide a little front end, a little UI, uh, a dashboard, basically, that allows creators to do so because it's a bit of work. You're going to easily set the base parameters. Unfortunately, at this point, to be clear, we're still very early. We don't have a front end for all of the things that are possible. Uh, because we think that in the end, a lot of different, like, pla- pla- I mean, we built a dashboard. I hope somebody else builds a better dashboard because ours is not perfect uh, and doesn't necessarily fit all of the needs of everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you can, you, if you're a developer or if you know how to use, for example, EcoScan, you can actually tweak these things manually yourself uh, in the in the contract. Yeah, interesting. So if like TVP wanted to come to you guys for like the deployment of like NFTs for subscription to like the newsletter that Corey's talking about, then how would that like look like? Do we get access to that dashboard? We yeah, get to do the things. Yeah, you go to the dashboard. You can, uh, I mean, create lock. It's a button. Create lock. Uh, set the name of your membership. You see the the BP podcast. Yeah. Uh, the duration, the price, the number of members, and then you would hit deploy. You see, you know, MetaMask would pop up or whatever is your wallet. You send that transaction. It gets deployed, and you get the address. And now we have a little bit of integration uh, section where. You can take the SOS and like plug this into a WordPress blog or plug this into a Discord bot or plug this into, I mean, a bunch of other integration that exists. We have one in Decentraland, which I think is pretty cool, where uh, you could create a space in Decentraland that is the Bitcoin podcast space and only the Bitcoin podcast members can actually show up in that space. Um, um, so yeah, we provide these kind of base integration breaks, but obviously we also give you the, the documentation and access to, I mean, we don't give you access to this it's available for anyone. It's not like we grant you yeah. something special. Yeah, yeah, Access yeah. to the code so that you can actually use that. You facilitate it. Yes, exactly. It's kind of so how do you make money? Is it through the facilitation or is it through like the underlying yeah. protocol? 
there's two things, uh, both, I'd say. Uh, first one is through the facilitation of something special, uh, credit cards. Uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have their own crypto wallets. Uh, or even if they do have their crypto wallets, they might not have the currency that is being used on that specific membership, right? So you might have a, a MetaMask, but it's not connected to Polygon, and you end up on a, on a blog that uses Polygon for the memberships. You know, oh, I don't want to transfer ETH through Polygon. I mean, you know, I do the whole dance. So in that scenario, we provide a credit card integration that allows you to pay us on Lock Inc. That's how we make money with your credit card. We take a little fee on top of the price, and then we're going to be the ones sending the on-chain transaction on the Polygon network. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so I'll explain how that works if you want from a technical perspective, because we made that safe, which I think is... Um, yeah, I think just for audience sake, explaining how you make that safe is interesting. Yeah, definitely. So the big risk, obviously, is like when somebody purchases an NFT with a card, they pay with the card, they get the NFT, they sell it to Jesse, Jesse pays in crypto, and then they call back the bank and say, hey, I didn't make that credit card transaction, please reverse it. Yeah. In that scenario, they've stolen uh, the creator's money because in practice, they've stolen, they've sold... I mean, they got money for, for something that they actually didn't pay for because the credit card transaction got reversed. So what we've done at the lock contract level, among a lot of other things that are, I think, very cool, is we've decoupled the owner of an NFT of a membership from what we call the purchaser of that membership. Most of them the same person, right? If you go to my blog and use MetaMask, you're going to be the purchaser and the owner of the NFT. But they're decoupled. And we also added a third one, which we call the manager of the membership, mm. the person who can actually transfer the membership. Most of the time, again, same person does the three things. But in some scenario, you can actually split and say, hey, I'm a manager of a membership, but I actually don't own it. Or I'm the owner of a, mem- uh, of a membership that I do own. So in the context of a credit card, Unlock Inc. plays two roles. The purchaser, we're actually the, the one sending the transaction on-chain, even though you paid us with your card. So you're the credit card purchaser with the on-chain purchaser, if you want. And then we also take the manager role of that membership. So you do get the NFT, it's yours, but you cannot transfer it unless we agree to that. And the reason for this is because exactly we want to avoid you selling the membership to somebody else and then calling your bank and say, hey, uh, please reverse the transaction. With the manager, which means that if you reverse the credit card charge, we will cancel your membership. Basically say, hey, nope, if you, I mean, basically, if you've got a refund for the thing, there's no point in you being able to keep it longer. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. How do you, um, shit, where I was going to go with this? I had something. And to be clear, that credit card thing that we do, the split of roles, actually has a lot of other use cases. Yeah, I can imagine a lot of things there. It's almost like marketplaces or delegation for communities. Exactly. One thing that I love is like, say I have a Netflix membership and you want to watch a movie, I'll send you my membership and I keep the manager role. So now you have my Netflix membership, you can watch the movie, but you're not going to be able to run with it because at any point I can take it back and say, hey, Corey, (laughs) it's time that you give me back my Netflix account and now I can take it. Well, if I shared with you my password, well, maybe you could have changed the password and it's fucking with me. It's like, no, you access my Netflix and I can't anymore because you've changed the password. Yeah. But with that system, I can give you access and can retain the ability to get it back when I want to. Mm-hmm. Is there so, any way to monetize that delegation? Absolutely. Uh, one of the ways is basically say, hey, I'm going to rent uh, memberships. Basically. So let's assume I buy... Uh, I mean, a Bitcoin podcast membership that would give me access to some private episodes. And I buy for the year, it's cool. And now somebody says, hey, I really want to listen to a specific episode. I'm saying, cool. What if I give you our rent? I mean, I charge you basically for sending you that my membership to the Bitcoin podcast for like a day. You give me one die. I pay maybe $50 for the year. You give me one die. Now you can listen to the podcast. But at any point, I can take it back to myself. Does that make sense? Yep. Man, you have to be really like embedded in the space to be able to like... Well, we are, so it's perfect for us. <laughs> of course. What, 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 I, what I wonder is like, 
like how many how many people are actually doing this like regularly? very few i mean i'll be honest yeah. we're just at the beginning but i, I mean, think this is a new concept that yeah, yeah. quite caught on to in, yeah. my, in my opinion like this will be the main reason you do this stuff period yes. and then yes. the, and then like the the pictures and so on and so forth is like candy for the actual absolutely. access control and management yeah absolutely and to be clear jesse i think you're perfectly right like i mean i don't want to talk about my mom but like think about 20 years back First time you connect, not you because you're younger than that, but first time I connected to the internet in like 97, uh, this was a mess. Like you had to have a PC, then you had to buy a modem. You was like, what is a fucking modem? Like I, my PC didn't come with a modem. Then I had to plug the modem in the telephone line. Like in what world does that make sense? Like this thing that. is, and you plug in the telephone line and then you, you, know, you open settings and you, you enter, like exactly. Yeah. Like the noise, like, that was kind of insane. I think it's like, what's going on? Like. And then you're there, you're connected. And then what do you do? First, you download a web browser. You have no idea. Like, it's, it's even worse than a web wallet, right? It's like, what, what is this web browser thing? And you open the things like, now what do you do? It's like, I have no idea. Like, honestly, you've done all of these things and you're screwed. Like, yes, I agree with you. Like, this is... And you have to know where to go. You have to know exactly where to go. Like, go to... And then every other side... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's what's scary. Like, and like, it's not that far. It's 20 years ago. And now everyone, I mean, we're using an amazing website to record a podcast, which is all of this is in, like, think of that sentence 20 years ago. Nobody would make any sense of this. And yet there's now millions of people, billions of people that are using the internet on a daily basis to do all kinds of things that would be completely impossible to even imagine 20 years ago. So I'm with you. We're definitely already, it's definitely kind of a small crowd. But yeah. this is the exciting part. It's becoming possible. And we're now seeing all of that kind of crazy innovation happening, which I think is pretty exciting. I, I noticed you did... Go ahead, Jesse. No, no, go ahead. I was just awesome. saying it was really neat. Yeah, it is. It, I noticed you did... A, a, uh, you raised the round, $4 million, Yeah. Uh, with a couple of people. What was the purpose for raising the round? Why did you need to do that? Uh, hiring people to get more stuff done. I mean, clearly we're a very small team. At this point, we're two people. We're actually going to be three next week. So a very small team. Uh, trying to build a bunch of interesting things, um, goals to scale up, adoption, uh, reach out to creators, publishers. The interesting part is that we raised the money with uh, one of the investors is uh, called GMG Ventures. And mm-hmm. GMG is actually the parent company of The Guardian, the newspaper in the UK. Uh, one of the use cases, obviously, is for stuff like paywalls and things like this. So we're pretty excited to work with legacy publishers because we think that's actually, for once, uh, a new way for them to kind of monetize and do things differently from what they've done so far. So I'm going to ask you more of like a I guess philosophical uh, devil's advocate question. And that is, how do you keep the VC money from dictating your original goal of keeping everything open or, dri- or, like, or driving your development in a direction you didn't intend? Because that's been, in my opinion, like what VCs do. Their influence yes. is to, this needs to make money. Absolutely. We need to have a return on investment. Absolutely. So actually, going back, I will answer that question in one second, but I want to go back to your question you asked earlier, like, how do you monetize? I told you the credit card stuff. That's one way. The second way, which I think is maybe more interesting, but also crazier in the Jesse, uh, in the Jesse, who the fuck is does, does this these days? Mm-hmm. Uh, Unlock itself aims to be uh, fully decentralized. Uh, and you said it, open source, everybody can pick and our stuff. Um, a year ago, not quite, in December last year, we introduced our governance token. The whole idea here is the protocol itself needs to belong to its user. I don't want it to belong to me. I don't want it to belong to VCs. I don't want it to belong to anyone in particular. I want it to belong to its users. And we do a system that's actually very similar to airline miles. Like think of it, every time you fly somewhere, you earn miles or you might earn miles if you want to. These miles, they're not that interesting. But if these miles were stock options or even shares of the airline company, then you could at some point kind of guide 
what the airline does is like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to fly cheaper flights or I'm going to ask you to go to a place that I want to go, these kind of things. So with Unlock, it's the same idea. If you use the protocol, there's new governance token being minted, Miles, and they're assigned to whoever is using it with the idea that at some point, the governance of these public good is valuable. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually very similar to, I mean, Bitcoin or a lot of new things. It's like they're valuable because they allow you to kind of have a, a little share of the new financial system of the world, for example. So these governance token, um, we pre-minted some, which I know some people don't like, but that's the way it is for us. We pre-mined some. And more importantly, because we these pre-mined, we're actually distributing this in the form of grants and things like this. We have a developer reward. We have basically every time there's a new transaction and new tokens minted, we earn some as well. Unlock Inc. earns some as the builders, as the kind of the, the founder reward. Founder reward or developer reward more than founder. Like I think because it could be changed. Like through yeah. governance, people say, hey, you know what, Julian, you suck, go away, die, or not die, but move away. Uh, and and somebody is going to do a better job. It like, is the crypto well, community. They might, they might go there. It's, it's, it's the crypto community. They might go there. Um, but it's, the idea is like, again, um, people can replace us if they think somebody else is going to do a better job. And I think that's only fair. Like if, I mean, I wish somebody could replace Zuckerberg. Like he doesn't do a great job at Facebook. So I wish we could replace him. It's just impossible. But in my mind of the, again, decentralization of the Bitcoin, of the, Bitcoin, of the crypto networks, it needs to be something that is possible. And so the way we make money, going back to your question, is by assuming that at some point, yes, we're going to do credit card. We already do credit card, but also that the asset that we accumulate, these tokens are going to be valuable in itself. And that's what we expect uh, the uh, investors to have exposure to. Kind of say, hey, we are investors in a company that has a very valuable asset, uh, which in itself is something valuable. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm with you, Jesse. This is all like very kind of, kind of. To, to add on to that, which I think is interesting, um, I was, I, I follow Evan Vaness, who uses Unlock to, yep. to manage his subscribership to Weekend Ethereum News. Yep. Uh, and he had mentioned that like y'all did an airdrop and. Yes. That the the airdrop of the tokens from the people who subscribe to his service basically paid for his service for a long period of time. So like yeah. in the in crypto, which is like this weird incentivized place to just use all the things, um, you get rewarded by consuming services you want to consume. And so like that, that make makes some type of like weird power user that just uses everything and hopes for an airdrop, which is kind of like I don't know, okay. consu- consumer mining. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just, there's this weird yeah. new type of way to interact with all this stuff by just being everywhere, talking to everyone, trying to use everything in hopes that like the underlying companies do an airdrop, which you can then reward yourself with or like and keep for a long time and become rich by just using shit. Absolutely. And to be clear, this is not a gift, right? Like, I do think that Evan using Unlock created a bunch of value for us. It allowed us to improve the protocol. It allows us to gain more visibility on this. So rewarding the users that have used Unlock in the past is not a gift. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm writing you a check because this is cool. It's really kind of sharing the value that they've created. Uh, again, like think about the airline, right? When you fly it, you get miles, it's valuable, but in some way you're not actually getting a lot of value out of these. Um, and, and similarly, like when you use Facebook, you provide a lot of data. You're not actually extracting any of that value that you provided. In the context of what we did with the airdrop, and I think all of the companies that do airdrop, it really is about sharing back the value that was created by again using a service. Partially, like let's not it's not it's not one thing. It's marketing. It's 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 trying to incentivize people to look at you and also place tokens into the wallets of the of the of the users you think would find your service useful. Yes. So exactly. it's like, hey, uh, 
do something with this. It's in your wallet now. And then now they have to pay attention to you and learn what you do. It's and also they like it. Absolutely. And it's governance, right? In the context of Unlock, it actually allows them to vote on what to do with the treasury. I mentioned the pre-mine. We already allocated 10% of the pre-mine to the DAO. And then people who have claimed their airdrop, and we did it in a way that actually requires them to delegate their vote. So they actually have to join governance, will be able to, or are able to already today, vote on what to do with that treasury. And so it's really kind of giving them power, saying, hey, you use this. As a user of this, you should you create some value, so you're rewarded with that value, but you're also a stakeholder. And as a stakeholder, we expect you to get you know uh, your voice heard and be able to do things with what the protocol does. Um, crap, forgot. <laughs> you keep saying things, and it just re- removes the question I previously had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> different scenario. Yeah. Uh, where do you go from here? Oh yeah, then I remember. Uh, and it's along the same line of questioning. Like you're deploying unlock protocol on EVM compatible um, chains, yeah. chains, right? Yeah. Uh, have you given any thought to cross chain subscription Absolutely. management? Absolutely. How does that work? Yeah, it's hard. Uh, but yes, we're thinking about this. I mean, we're basically again, we're not wed. Uh, is it the word wedded? Married? Anyway, Married. any uh, underlying platform. Our goal is to build a protocol that is cross networks. Uh, we built on Ethereum because three years ago, that's where, it's, it's, <laughs> that's where everyone is. That's also where there's a lot of dev tools. There's a lot of infrastructure that's available. Obviously, we're as worried as anybody else when we see the gas prices. But the good thing is like this Ethereum ecosystem kind of expanded beyond being just the Ethereum mainnet and has multiple chains. We're already thinking about like EVM to EVM membership. So like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. I'm going to, I have, I mean, the use case is this. I'm on XDAI. I've got some XDAI in my wallet. This membership is on Polygon. I'm not going to swap things. Yes, I can pay with card, but is there a mechanism for me to easily send a transaction on XDAI that I should go on the XDAI network would go to Polygon and get me that membership there? So that's one of the things that we're thinking about. There is, I mean, to be clear, we're such a small team right now, it's hard to explore these things, but that's definitely... Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, I've, I've, I've been thinking about that problem generally yeah. for a long time because that seems to be the direction that the ecosystem is going is very multi-chain. And multi-chain, yeah. because of that, you're going to have assets, whether they be fungible or non-fungible, living across multiple chains, subject to the, the volatility of different chains. So like arbitrage across these things is going to be hard or just like like identity management, like, like understanding the like how everything updates itself because each chain is basically a self-contained system. And so like if if built into your non-fungible token has any type of logic that involves understanding the the like the total supply it's going to be real hard right like you like you like it's it's isolated to each system which means you have volatility across different systems and then you have room for arbitrage and and fuckery right and so like that type of stuff is going to get real difficult but like it's going to be demanded by the user because you want to have value in more secure places, but you also want fast, cheap in others. Absolutely. I think you, you nailed it. Like basically that's all a question of, you know, balance between higher security, higher price, and that makes sense. And lower security, lower price, uh, frictionless interaction. One thing I would say though, multi-chain, absolutely the version that I have. But one thing that I think people don't necessarily realize is like your address is the same across all of the chains, which I think provides, yeah. but even like, you can imagine like with the hardware, uh, the the HD wallet, like basically the seed phrase that you use on multiple network is the same, which means that you can be the same person. You're managing a single secret. 
Exactly. Imagine a single, and you can be the same person across multiple chains, which allows you to do a bunch of interesting things where it's like, hey, I know you're here because you have this address. You're also going to be that same person on that other network. So maybe I can do things to make sure that if you use something on the different yeah. network, a signed message from a given address works across a bunch of different networks because exactly. it's the same address. Exactly. And it's not only the same address for the private keys, I mean, the, the, the end users, like the private key uh, generated public keys, but it can also be with, and again, we're going to be technical here, but with Ethereum, there's actually a way to kind of generate um, contracts and assign them to specific addresses across all of the chains. So we're actually, and that's not something we support right now, but we're actually thinking about this. Is like, can we make sure that if you deploy a contract on some chain, you also have the same version of that lock on another chain, uh, which again, would allow users to purchase on a different chain and still have you receive the money wherever uh, you are as a creator. Yeah, so with the, what I think this does is every time you have an option like that, that allows you to have like reuse the same technology. Okay. Yep. Um, it's it's minimizing the off-chain infrastructure required to do this stuff, right? So like you can say it's 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 a smaller piece of off-chain logic to check. Yep. That's type of thing versus if if that if that wasn't there, you'd have to have a, like much much larger infrastructure with complexity and maybe like Absolutely. power to then manage all those things yes. and there's more more problems like more things that can go wrong if that's okay. absolutely and also i mean we're, we're definitely i mean again uh perfectly with what you said and also one thing that you said earlier which i think is very true is this is a, an ecosystem like it's not an unlocked problem for sure it's everybody is thinking about the same things and we're already starting to see teams working in like these smart bridges between multiple chains uh things that actually are allowed to surface data from one chain to another uh, think about Cosmos was doing kind of interesting things on that front as well. So, I mean, as much as I think this is something we need to solve, it's not just us. Like it's a collective thing, and I'm really hopeful to see some of these solutions emerge and be really interesting on that front. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could. I, I'll I'll be probably reaching out to you for like much deeper conversations about this for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And one of the, I mean, one of the other side of that same coin of the same address across networks, like. How do we manage privacy? Because what we described here is like, cool, I'm, I mean, I want everybody to know that I'm a member of the Bitcoin podcast. That's not a problem. At some point, I'm convinced we're going to see porn sites use Unlock. Uh, yeah, I was about to ask. Is like, do I really oh, want yeah. people to know it's, that it's I'm a member of Bitcoin creators. Exactly. Do I really <laughs> want to know that I'm like this guy on Uporn and this guy on Bitcoin podcast? Eh, maybe not. So we will. Yeah, we're probably an okay community for that, but like I could think of others that are. <laughs> I'm, you know, uh, I'm sure there's some context in which you might want not to share all of these things with everyone, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And so having kind of mm -hmm. privacy here is definitely one of the things also that's on our minds. Like scaling and privacy are some of the two biggest. You need. So for that one, in my opinion, that's going to go come through some form of zero knowledge proof, like absolutely a zero knowledge attestation that you own something yep. without exposing what it is that you absolutely. own. Absolutely, and that's uh, actually what we're discussing with a bunch of different teams. It's like how can I prove that I have a membership without telling you who I am or what membership I have? Mm -hmm. And that way, you get access to something without exposing. Like, even if you want to do it from a from the standpoint of like, uh, let's say like you can't enter this channel unless you own uh, over a million of this coin, yep. a million coins of this thing, which is which may be you know some some evaluation. Like what you need to prove is a threshold, not how much you have, right? Yeah, total, or yeah. your address, for that matter. And so, yeah. like, you want to you want a strong way to prove that that is a true or false thing yep. to provide the access without exposing anything else after that, right? Exactly. So, like, that's a that's kind of like that's the golden that's what we're after yep. for access control for the for anything is the ability to prove that. You are or have something without exposing anything else. Who you are. Yep. Just a bullying statement, right? Like, absolutely right. Yep. 
and again, like we're definitely chatting with a bunch of different teams about how they think about doing this because that is also way beyond my understanding <laughs> of cryptography and, and these things. Um, I have a high level understanding how this could work. I don't know what is the technical implementation to make it work. Those are some very deep weeds. Yes. <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's it for me in terms of like general questions I have. Uh, Jesse, you have anything? No, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, um, so the, those people on the NFTs represent all the people that have subscribed to your implementation well, of your yeah. protocol. Yes. Um, is this being used like, like, uh, like how widely is this being used? Um, not widely enough at this point. I think we've seen about, uh, about, if I, if I remember correctly, the number, but about 500 ETH being exchanged across all of the unlocked network. It's actually public data, so I should know about it, but I know what to find it. I don't remember it. Uh, so basically, a bunch of uh, conferences have used Unlock for Tickets. Uh, the, one of the most popular like thing we've done is for about six months, a year and a half ago, you could unlock Forbes.com. Uh, you could unlock a natural experience. So basically, you would go on their website, there's a million ads on Forbes. It's kind of a nightmare. You could click a button and say, hey, I'm going to purchase these ad removal NFT from Forbes for $1 a month or... For, um, uh, sorry, $1 a week or $4 a month. And then if you had that NFT in your wallet, they would not show you ads. You say, hey, you paid us for, for that content without ads. Well, we'll not do this. Uh, it's been used by some newsletters. You mentioned Evan. There's uh, Camila Russo for the DeFi. Also integrates Unlocked there as well. Uh, it's used on some Discord channel. It's used in some games now uh, that are actually building some interesting integrations there. Still very early. Uh, but again, that's everybody's already here. Do you have any timeline on, on other networks that you're deploying to? Uh, we were hoping to do Arbitrum this week, uh, but then we found that they actually don't support a couple of important things that we need. Uh, so hopefully soon, uh, we're looking at Avalanche, we're looking at uh, Optimism. I think at the end of the month, we're going to open it up to, uh, to much more people. Uh, and then people have asked, asked for Binance Chain, which, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the appropriate response. It's just like, oh, okay, well, we, I mean, Whatever, man. We, we, we are, we have been over the last month and a half building kind of the infrastructure for us to easily deploy anywhere. I don't want to say in a click, but you know, in less than a day of work, uh, would be the goal. Outstanding. Yeah, I can, I can, I'm, 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 we're going to do this period, right? Like this is, this is something that we've been wanting to do for a long time. We just haven't been sure about, like, we don't want to do this thing that we have to redo again later on down the line because the technology dies. Yeah. This seems as though it's primitive enough to port. Yes. In the case of like, we did it on one chain. We don't like it here. It's too expensive. It doesn't work for our users. We want to move somewhere else. Like, and that's a, that's a, that's like migration from one place to another needs to be written into anything being developed today because what we call this stuff and where we are in five years is still very much up at the up in the air. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're still again, figure, I mean, obviously figuring things out, like it's still very early in that, in that thing. Um, yeah, hundred percent agree. I don't know how people like I was looking at, um, it's like super low level, uh, op codes on one of the L1 chains, like, and I was like, man, this is a lot like, like assembly. Like, I can't believe oh, yes. people are like building with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it is. Solidity is so much better than like some other chain stuff. Yeah. But like Solidity has its issues because it's so high level and yeah. things like that. So like there's been a lot of issues over the years of people writing Solidity code and the underlying bytecode that it compiles to is not, yeah. doesn't do what you think it does. Right. Yeah, so like, 
And so it is evolving pretty fast. Like, I mean, we're actually upgrading some of our stuff from to Solidity 0.8. Uh, and the stuff that we wrote a year ago was 0.57. So it's like in a year, they went from 0.57 to 8. And it's like that actually created a bunch of like, oh, that doesn't work the way we thought it would yeah. work. Uh, but I mean, don't want to blame them because we're still, again, very early. And so we need to actually make sure things move forward. Well, it doesn't move forward unless you make those mistakes and do them and try absolutely, it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Is there anything else that we should have asked you that we didn't? Uh, I'm no. I think you asked the right things. I mean, yeah, you asked the right things for sure. I've got a quick question. Is uh, I, I heard from some people that we interviewed before that when credit card transactions or when when credit cards can be used to to purchase NFTs, that would be like kind of like a mainstream can have access to NFT kind of moment. Um, how often? Do you see that being used on your platform? Like or- little. I mean, about a third of the people here have actually used credit card because it's enabled on my blog. Um, yeah. so not that much. Um, I mean, I agree. Like, it's going to be one of the big unlocks uh, for a lot of things. Uh, yeah. The credit card thing. Uh, I just for now, I think we're the only one where she have built this in a way that makes it safe. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I it's not. I mean, it's cool. But it's not ideal. Like I think a lot of people want which is NFT so that they can transfer them. Uh, so if you buy an NFT art thing and you can't transfer it because you paid with card and the card transaction can get reversed, it's not as I mean it works well in the context of unlocks. People are used to paying with Netflix and these membership with their cards, so it's fine. But yeah. for the NFT for art thing, which is usually perceived as kind of an investment thing where you're gonna hopefully flip it at a higher price, mm-hmm. I don't know that the inability to transfer right away makes a lot of sense. So I don't know that credit card are going to be that useful in that context. Well, there's also this aspect of like, this is something that I was thinking earlier. Like, like I'm, I'm, I've been in space for a long time. So I, I carry a lot of the, I guess, ideology of, of, of web three. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's, that's a big bag of mine. And so I, I try to minimize my exposure or like, I try to separate as much as possible the this financial infrastructure from the traditional financial infrastructure. Yeah. So when I have to go to fiat, it's through one channel and one channel alone, back and forth, right? I don't want to, and I don't want to tie the things that I do in this ecosystem to my credit card ever. Like I don't like, and so when if, if you were to purchase an unlock NFT with a credit card, you're you're tying some financial infrastructure, financial, like old yeah. financial infrastructure, yeah. to addresses, and which can be linked to everything else that you do. And the more you do that, the more uh, who you are and what you do is mined by people who are taking advantage of that information. And like, that's the goal is to own these things and, and, and like maintain sovereignty over my assets. And if you, if you're using credit cards, you, you don't have that. You can't do that. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think yeah. I agree with that pretty much. Also one thing like, Nian, I mean, it's so much, I mean, I know people are going to be like, what the fuck, but it's so much easier to purchase something with your crypto than it is with a credit card. Like I can't stand these like, Two factor off, like we're sending you a text. It's getting better. It's getting better and better and better. But st- better, but still like, no, like oh, there's many for crypto. Like it's oh. still way better, and oh, it's crypto. getting better. Exactly, <laughs> crypto is better and getting better. Yeah, yeah. The quick card thing is like, ah, I mean, I'm French. I live in the U.S. Every time I have to buy something in France, I have to switch my telephone SIM card in there, kind of wait yeah. five minutes. Every other time, the phone doesn't get here, and then the thing expires, and I have to start again from scratch. This is a nightmare. Like, honestly, Why don't you get a dual SIM phone. Say what? Why don't you get a dual SIM phone? That I mean, that's an option, but you know, like even that, <laughs> even that, even that I don't, I don't enable the, the the French network from when I'm in the US. Like what? what so, like I, I'm, it's so freaking, and you know, just even creating an account on every website. Like I'm so over. Oh, my email address, and then my password, and then my. I was like, 
Connecting what? Do you want to connect? Yes. Boom. Done. I'm logged in. Like so much easier, so much smoother. Like people, yes, it's hard. But once you're there, it's it's piece of cake. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anybody who buys crypto with a credit card, but I think that there are a lot of people. Oh, like a Coinbase. I think that's that's like a that's why Coinbase. That's one of the reasons why Coinbase is so big is because you, yeah. you can buy things with with credit cards or like many exchanges. I think you can do it in Binance too. Like. Yeah. It's it's like we've built a society built on credit, so that's whatever that's that's the purchasing power everyone has. Interesting. And you know, people are in a mental model. It's it's hard to get rid of it, uh, and so they think, "Oh, I'm using my credit card to purchase things." Yes, I'm going to use my credit card to purchase crypto. But at some point, you realize, like, well, maybe not. <laughs> Got to get my credit card points. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's also a thing. Right? People are like, "Oh, my points." But yeah, I, I think it's 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 uh you know it's it's hard to. I'm the same as them, right? Like two years ago, I was like, oh, okay, it's hard. Like MetaMask, I'm going to fuck up the password or, or then the seed phrase. Like this is very scary. At some point, you just realize how that works. You just understand things and you're not worried anymore. It just becomes normal life in the same way that, again, think about your mom or my mom connected to the internet like 25 years ago. Like, Gosh, that was weird. Uh, and nobody does this anymore. And it just is normal. The user experience is very primitive still. Yes. I think it's yeah. getting better, much better. And it's getting better because people use it. So it's like yeah. the, 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 the airdrop and complain. <laughs> and complain. <laughs> and complain. No, and it's good. Like the airdrop thing is actually people that use stuff and are, you know, it takes time. Like, oh, I'm going to click on there. I'm going to do this crazy thing. I'm going to do that. And every other time I'm going to waste some gas. Uh, it costs, but it actually brings a lot of value to the ecosystem because it creates that feedback loop that we can use to improve how things do, how things go, the UX, and slow step-by-step step to actually get to a healthier ecosystem. And it's because of the value created by the time spent by users playing with this. Interesting. I mean, it's a great way question. to... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just, just thought, we'll, we'll wrap it after this question. Offshoot. Um, Decentraland, just random thoughts. Like, Do you think that that's going to be the future or is it kind of a gimmick in terms of people putting their shit in spaces there? I have no idea. Honestly, it's, I mean, it's a cool thing, uh, but I have no idea if this is the future, if this is the only one, if this is the one, if there's going to be a thousand, if there's, I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. Just like crypto coins, like you can create a metaverse out of nowhere. <laughs> like it's artificial. It, it's scarcity to the point of a community agreeing that it's scarcity. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So for digital, for a digital place, the same thing. Like where are the people going? That's the value it has. Interesting. And you know, I, it, it's, there might be a lot of these. Uh, there might be just one. Honestly, it's hard to know at this point. Like nobody knows, right? Can you make Can you make like a movie theater in like Decentraland and then use like the, the, your NFT protocol to like tickets? Yeah, absolutely. That would be dope. The, the first example, <laughs> I mean, the first example that somebody built is actually a, a, a saloon. Uh, you go there. There's a cowboy at the gate, and you can't get in unless you have the membership. So. I can very imagine that the next version of that saloon is have a little TV screen because obviously that would be kind of old style thing. A little TV screen inside of the saloon that you can only watch if you're in the saloon. So you pay to get the membership to get in the saloon to watch the movie. I am pretty yeah. sure this is uh, this is uh, doable. It's going to be a weird world yeah. in a few years. I keep yeah. telling people like to get a glimpse of like I think the person who painted this picture the best I've seen in like a a paper book, like a real book you can buy and read, uh, is Carl Schrader who wrote Stealing Worlds. And he, we interviewed him a while ago. And like, it's a fun short book. 
But what I liked about it was his ability to capture what this world, like the, what a world would look like in the interaction of AR, VR, and crypto. And like how you're able to opt out of an original society system and exist in this other one of value and community and, and how those things kind of play with each other and how like they're, they're very much intermingled. Uh, and I think like that world is the future very much so, but like it's, it's going to take a little while to get there. <laughs> it's going to take a while, but it's also accelerating, right? It feels to me like COVID, if there's anything that we have to learn is the fact that we live online already. Like, a lot of people did not imagine that they could actually spend seven, eight, ten hours on the computer without anybody around them, uh, and just still feel as connected to their colleagues, to their you know friends that they would be. Like there is a bunch of generations that actually are just spending their lives playing games with their yeah. friends, and they're good friends with them. And it's like we're looking at two of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, who, who am I? Or who is anyone to say that this is not real friendships? Like this is not real friends. Like yeah, you might have never seen them. You might have just interacted with them in a game, but they're actually your friend, pretty much as the same kids that you play in the. Oh, I'd say I have more best friends that are people I've barely met than ones I've met in real space. Uh, and we say meet, it meets it. Like, meet it's like I think you actually meet people online. Like I, I we're meeting right now, right? It's right. just that we can't touch each other. But that's going to be I think. <laughs> I'll touch you soon. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> well, so the high five on the anyway. Yeah. Cool. All right, Julian. Well, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we look forward to using Unlock to help uh, kind of grow the TBPN membership and community. I'd love to help you do that. Awesome. Thanks. See you all, guys. Yep. Yeah.